Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Christian. It's excellent to have you here. And we're going to start right off with uh, first note is that I'm recording this around Thanksgiving. So by the time you're actually hearing this, maybe it'll be around Christmas <laughs> with the way I've been uploading. Oh, sorry. You know, I, I honestly want to know if you get to this point, if you stuck with the podcast for this long, like uh, contact us uh, through our website at starvingwritersgo.com and say, look, like, I don't care that it's late. <laughs> and if you, if you do care that it's late, you know, I, I understand. Because I'm right there with you, but that's just how it is. <laughs> Alright, so, what have I been watching since last you heard me? Well, I have continued on with The Skull Man. I'm about five episodes away from the end, I believe. And I'm convinced that his friend, or maybe maybe six or five, I can't remember. Off the top of my head. Uh, I'm beginning to think that his friend is the Skull Man, the the priest guy. Uh, I can't remember. Because uh, I'm trying to remember if I'm actually that close to the end. I don't think. No, I'm not. I'm not that close. I'm actually like seven or yeah, seven episodes away from the end. I was thinking about a different series. So I'm convinced of that. We'll see if I'm right. And we'll see if my wild conspiracy theory about this being like, I don't know, a prequel or a sequel or adjacent to Cyborg 009 holds up. Uh, let's see, what else have I been doing? I watched... Um... Oh, I started Tower of God, uh, the anime. And because I missed it when it came out, even though I was super into it, I just... I was waiting for the dub, and then I forgot it existed, and I was reminded the other day, and said, well, I'll let me go see it. And there's definitely a lot of pacing problems. Um, seems like they were trying to keep it within 13 episodes by skipping huge chunks of early chapters, but I have not read those chapters since, goodness gracious, college, and that was eons ago, so maybe I'm misremembering. But I do. I think I remember seeing somewhere that that was that there was like hugely fast pacing just to keep it within like twelve to thirteen episodes. So is that? I mean, it's still. I mean, it's gorgeous, and there's some things I'm uh, re-remembering since I haven't read those chapters in forever. So it was nice to get that you know into perspective. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, I'm also in the Ultraman Dino now. As I continue my walkthrough of first walkthrough of the Ultra series, and really liking its direction, really loving uh, once again the kaiju designs. I mean, it's good hokey Ultraman fun, and that's what I signed up for. That's what I'm getting. I'm trying to think of which one's next after this. I, I'm nowhere. I'm still at the very beginning, like you know, eighteen or so episodes in. Is it Cosmos or Neos or Gaia or I was looking it up. I, I forgot. You know, whatever. It's one of them. I'll eventually get to them. Uh, I also watched uh, it, uh, Rhea. Was that her name? Rhea and the Last Dragon. It was a, a Disney production. And I got to say, uh, I can't believe I haven't heard people talking about this because 
it was really good. And I just, I just don't understand why people aren't talking about it as much. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's Aesop is a little like heavy handed. The whole idea of, well, you kind of learn to trust people. It's like, you know what? That's a good Aesop. But, and I do think it handled it well. It's like you can trust people and get burned. But at the end of the day, you have to continue trusting that, you know, otherwise nothing good is ever going to come out of the world. <clears throat> so, like I said, heavy handed, but a lot of fun. That definitely is something that I really wish a lot more people were talking about. I do believe that's it for what I've been watching since last we spoke. So I'm going to quit dilly-dallying and get straight into the manga. We have a new manga joining us this week. How long it's going to stay, uh, I don't know. Uh, probably not long if it stays like it is now. But that's near the end of our list. I think actually the end of the list. But we'll be going instead into a Yashimon, Chapter 2. This monster battle stuff is intense. Excellent. Uh, so we start off in the flashback. Well, kind of from narration, a flashback. Uh, Kyo, ruled, Kyo ruled as the great Oyabun of Shinjuku. Under his control, both the Enma Syndicate and the Kabukicho, I practiced this word, I swear, several times before we started. I still screwed it up. Underworld maintained the honor code of Jingi. And then Kyo died and everything changed. And we find out this is Urara speaking. She says, with the keystone holding everything together gone, the syndicate fractured. Family split off, each vying with the other to be the next leader. Now, gang uh, warfare runs rampant throughout Shinjuku. Shinjuku. Uh, gang, and <clears throat> uh, this back and forth between her and Maru. Uh, gang warfare, huh? Can't wait. It's not a game. People are dying. So anyway, where is everybody else, elder sister? Uh, you mean my other gang members? It's only the two of us for now. And they're on a subway right now talking about all this. It's just us. Well, yeah, I only just founded it. We don't even have an office or even a car yet. <laughs> this is perfect, though. We're a small squad of elites poised to take advantage of the district's chaos. Uh, you're trying to take over the whole shebang, right? Can we really pull that off by ourselves? Well, that's where you come in. Everyone start thinking, this chick is insane. What have I gotten myself into? And is thinking to roll over the situation too much that his head basically explodes figuratively as the note says. And a kid on the opposite side of the subway is asking like, and mommy, what are they talking about? And Urawa, learning from Maru, says, we're talking about a manga. <laughs> and don't think too hard about all the fiddly details, big bro. All you need to do is fight. Which emboldens Maru says, oh yeah, you're right. Man, I'm getting hyped up already. And they leave the train and she's explaining that uh, they need to slip in to uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, sorry I lost my place uh, uh, Shinjuku Gyoen which is a place where they can kind of like get some information sneak around but there's one thing that's going to be in the way and that's a guard called Hashihime who particularly appears as soon as the name is said you know, Robert says she's a secret member of the syndicate some Yakuza do hold down normal civilian jobs. She's one of them. 
During the day, she works at the gardens. At night, she guards the border against illegal entrants. We get Yokai Hashihime, the Kijin who guarded Kyoto's Uji Bridge. Taking the form of a woman, she bore metal bands and candles. And Marua says, I can't say I get all that, but all I've got to do is beat her up, right? And right as he finishes that, he is beaten in one hit and tossed away as getting out of the yokai form, we see a woman wearing kind of like a, a veil over herself and like a weird business suit. And of course, shows off her cleavage because why not? And she talks to Arara saying, he was so frail that calling him weak would be a compliment. A fly would have given more more trouble. Returning to Shinjuku with only a mere human like him, that's the height of foolhardy recklessness. Pardon my presumption, Mr. Rada, but please turn back. Rada says, well, I thought he was a soldier with some promise. Well, hardly, miss. He has failed. Badly. The Inma Syndicate of today is far more vicious than yesterday's. So he stands no chance. And if anyone discovers who you are and learns that Chairman Keo's bastard child yet lives, you have any idea of the danger you'd put yourself in? That day, when I got new, the news of the chairman's passing, I made the personal decision to take you out of Shinjuku. I did it because I knew you were pre precious to Chairman Kiyo. I was your attendant, and you were precious to me, too. I wanted you to live a life far away from this world. Let me guess. Is it doubt that's brought you back? Are you hoping to find the truth behind your father's death? Which causes Zerada to get a little angry. She says, Neil, I gave you no permission to rise. And it seems like whatever her ability is, it's if she commands people to do something, uh, they have to do it. I mean, for right now, it seems maybe it only works on one person. That's why she hasn't used it earlier. So that's my speculation. And she continues saying, though this body I inhabit is young, I am still an Oni. I think that's our first confirmation of that. My kind have been divinities of the spirit realm since ancient times. You have had, you've had, you have had your doubts, too. I know you do. Kiyo, my father, his death wasn't natural. Someone murdered him. But what I want isn't the truth. I want revenge. But in Mashiach, woe unto them. Can you imagine my helplessness? Forbidden from attending his funeral, hearing about his death only via the news. Woe unto his killer and woe unto the syndicate for failing to protect him. I came back to Shinjuku for a single reason. To take back the one momentum father left me to me. Left to me. The family crest. Then I will destroy his murderers and the endless syndicate along with them. But you want to destroy your father's syndicate? It'll be my final parting gift to him. Telling me to go off and live a dull life without settling, settling the score. It's at this point, Maruo has managed to get back up and saying, you know, and title drops the chat fight. Kinshiro, so I don't remember this, but I mean, Ma Mangaka's a fan, so I'm guessing it happened. <laughs> to which uh, Hashihime says, well, it's stubborn at least. He says, all right, you'll have your fight. I'll crush the man to man. To a battle of guts, a battle of souls. And to see the two of them exchanging blows over and over again, tells him to give up. But he says, I won't. And he used a super smart attack. So I uh, don't really know what, that, what that's a reference to. Maybe it's Kanuki Man. Couldn't tell you. Never watched that. And indeed, uh, manages to take her down for a bit. And she's thinking to herself, no way, this kid's a mere human, right? And what's speed have to do with that? It was just a big punch. Says, uh, what's with that look? Don't you want to fight anymore? I don't fight people who don't want to fight back. It's no fun. Fun. Don't diss me, kid. That's the spirit. Let's go, Kinshiro. Hundred rending. And it goes on, and Robert is thinking about all of his potential and how she has high hopes for him because she's, he will be a useful pawn 
and that she can dispose of him if anything goes wrong. And he manages to take down Hashihime. And Uraura says, my thanks for your devotion, Hashihime. But I'll be on my way now to pay my respects to the departed. She says, that kid, he's an expendable pawn to you, isn't he? Just as I was. And does that upset you? And she gets a little uh, nightmare face with the moon at her back. She says, no, in fact, I'm proud. You've grown strong, miss. Frighteningly so. Says, you kid, come here. He says, what? You lost. So don't go order me around. But shut up and listen. Shinjuku is more dangerous than you could ever expect. Stay alert. View everyone around you as an enemy. And don't forget these names. These are the four most dangerous groups in Shinjuku. First is the new Inmus Syndicate, led by the second chairman. He's far more vicious than his predecessor. Then there's the Todoroki Alliance, a collection of biker gangs who split from the syndicate. Another is Ayakashi B-Stars, the host club that controls most of the nightclubs and cabarets in Shinjuku. Last but not least is the Kori Hotel Group. <laughs> They're an external faction that started expanding in the Shinjuku turf. Those are the four biggest players, all, but gangs of all sizes are vying for a piece of Chairman Kyo's pot. As a human, the first thing you must do is learn the rules of the ritual duel so that you can protect your boss at, with honor at a moment's notice. And with this, his head figuratively explodes again, and that's the end of the chapter. So I'm feeling more positive about Ayashimon uh, after reading the second chapter. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of cliches going around, but you could say that about any manga as it's getting its start, so I'm willing to give it some time that I may not be giving time for something else on this list. I still haven't decided. So from that, we'll go to Black Clover, page 314, The Mass. Uh, we start with Mareo Leona, as she's taken down that ancient demon that uh, earlier, before uh, they had kind of infiltrated the palace, like she was acting as a distraction outside, and uh, she manages to actually vanquish it, which surprises the rest of them. As we flip back inside of the castle, and we see uh, <laughs> the beaten up Morris has gotten up, except it's not him. It's Lucifero. Lucifero says, thank you for your service, human, as he activates a magic spell. Second level of the underworld, as we see a bunch of de demons appearing, and it seems like they're about to leave. And the Black Bulls are reacting to this, and Lucifero continues, the gates of the underworld are opening even faster. In my case, even when Cliffhoff is, is absent, I can interfere with low-level devils from the underworld. Now that I've squeezed the last drops of life out of Morris, the accelerant. So, oh no, who could have ever imagined that Morris would not be the final boss? Now that this opened to the second level, I can combine all the devils from those first two levels. As the devils are turning into a solid mass of sorts, uh, the castle itself is being formed into a vessel into which I can manifest. And it has grown massive, and uh, the rest of the uh, resistance fighters are panicking. Uh, Vanessa, Charmy, and Gray are trying to, you know, <clears throat> revamp uh, the Black Bull's hideout. Uh, Ghosh is helping as well with uh, uh, Gordon and Henry. As I create, oh, excuse me, they say together, the ultimate devil, nobody cares. Ultra giant Black Bull. Lost already. <laughs> They've created the Megazord. <laughs> I mean, the the Black Bull headquarters was already a Megazord. Now it's a Mega Megazord. Uh, how the heck this is supposed to work? I mean, I, I don't know. Black Clover has lost his mind. Uh, <laughs> that's the end of the chapter. Is Lucifero getting punched in the face? 
Wow. Um, so I wasn't expecting that. So I'll give Tabata that. Uh, I don't know where we go from here. Because the underworld seems to be opening. Yami and Vondant still haven't been saved. Is he using this as a distraction so that they actually die? I don't know. Uh, don't really know how Asta's anti-magic is going to work here. So unless he just starts, like, cherry-tapping it to death. Oh, well. We will now go to Blue Box, Chapter 30. Getting Closer. And we start with a really awkward couple of panels with uh, Taiki and Chinatsu. Say good morning. And she's talking with her toothbrush in her mouth, asking him about practice today. Um, it, wondering why he's dressed up. And he's saying, well, we're going to go to school to do our summer homework. He says, oh, that's really good. And, you know, maybe I'll follow your lead. And, well, good luck with both. And he says, thanks. And leaves. And he's thinking on the way there, so things are so completely normal. Oh, well, if I can just, just forget about what happened, I should be fine. As he's trying to practice, but it's definitely messing with me. He says, nothing has to change from how it's been. So after practice, they're all going to study together. And, and Hina has fallen asleep in the midst of studying. Hey, so he tells her, Hina, no sleeping. He says, I'm not sleeping. We all made an effort to meet here, so focus. But they say that when you sleep, your brain helps you organize your memories. So you really were sleeping. I can't help it. None of this math makes any sense to me. We never learned any of this. But yes, we did. <laughs> Feel you there, girl. <clears throat> and to go over, and uh, this is Ito uh, saying, it's just a matter of substituting X for that. And a couple of the other guys are like, hey, it looks like he's finally making a move. And the other one says, he's always said he had a thing for Chono. So it seems like uh, Ido likes Hina. And Glasses Coon says, hey, do your homework. <laughs> Has a name, I swear. Uh, Taiki says, I hadn't realized at all until now. While I wasn't paying attention, everyone was falling in love. <laughs> we uh, skip forward in time, and Hina has once again fallen asleep. He's asking her, what are you doing, skipping out? So, I'm not skipping out, I'm exhausted. I don't want to look at another number again. <laughs> that doesn't mean you should go to sleep. And they're both reminiscing with each other, saying, you know, they're holding a fire... Uh, this is the flashback. Uh, they're holding a fireworks festival next week. You're right, let's all go together. That's what some of the other students were saying in the flashback. Oh, no, no, they're saying it now, which is gonna, what's going to prompt the flashback. Sorry, I got twisted around there. And Taiki says, that brings me back. We went to that when we were first years in junior high, too. Saiji organized that outing. I wonder what he's up to these days. Oh, well, he went to San High School and is in band. <laughs> That's so him. That was also around the time that you and I started talking. And he just says, was it? And we see that uh, one of their friends uh, had organized everything to try and get them to go together. And one of Hina's friends asks you in. <laughs> and she's drooling from the mouth saying, I want to eat candy apple. Oh, even though she has practice. And the moment they're asking if anyone wants to go, she raises her hand. Actually, she accidentally hits Taiki. And she says, oh, sorry about that. And he says, it's fine. Don't worry about it, Chono. And she says, I can't help it. I'm just so excited. And she goes through her practice. Uh, coach is messing with her. It's like, oh, we went over in practice. Why did it have to be the day of all days? And she's running away right after practice to go to the fireworks festival. It's going to start any moment. And the fireworks start going off before she's gotten to anyone. So, oh, well, better find the gang. And when she gets there, all the candy apples are sold out, and she's crying Deku tears. <laughs> no, I was like, so looking forward to them. 
as the fireworks keep going off, well, I guess it's just how it goes. I gotta endure some letdown if it means reaching my goals in gymnastics, like meeting up with everyone to browse the booths and candy apples. Endure, endure, endure. And suddenly, someone's holding out a candy apple in front of her, and it's Taiki. And he says, I was just walking around to fetch stuff for the others when I saw they only had one left, so I bought it. She says, thanks. But how'd you know I wanted a candy apple? And he says, because I saw how much you were drooling over the thought of them. I said, what? You saw? He said, I've never seen a girl look like that before. Stop! Uh, that was the start of you committing violence against me. <laughs> Kicking me and knocking my knees out from behind me. This is back in the present. But after that first year in junior high, we didn't go again because of practice and stuff. It was a lot of fun, though. Well, better head back. And he speaks up says, let's go again. Let's go together this year to the fireworks festival. So there's been a lot of speculation of uh, whether Hina has romantic interest in Taiki. I, I, I flip-flopped on this. I can see there being a love triangle. I mean... From what little I know of romance series, like, I mean, that's gonna be a thing at some point. So it would make sense if it was her. I kind of don't want it to happen because I prefer them as friends. And I like her being a wingman for Taiki. Uh, so we'll, we'll just see how the manga handles it. So uh, we'll just move on to. <laughs> This is Boruto and Dragon Ball Super Week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, uh, Boruto. Number 64. Control. <laughs> uh, Kawaki's remembers uh, some of the things Mamashiki said uh, uh, as he sees Boruto at, uh, accessing the Otsutsuki uh, powers. Boruto says, move back more, Kawaki. It ain't safe because of the immensity of his powers, and he goes after Code, bringing up Shadow Doppelgangers to try and take him down, uh, which it seems to his strength has been enhanced through this uh, process. And Code is having trouble with all of them, but he's using his abilities to teleport around to try and get away using his claw marks. It says, Yeesh, uh, such an annoying ability, Borto says. And Kawaki's thinking, what, power? What power? Much more than usual. I don't get it, though. It's still Boruto who's in control. When he'd managed to... Because this talk to me, Ida. Everyone's favorite character, Ida. And everyone's favorite character, Code. Ida says, I wonder if it's an effect of Amato's meds. I can't tell exactly what's going on inside Boruto's body, but at the very least, it seems he's now able to channel Momoshiki's power without his mind getting taken over. Meds. I wouldn't write him off. It won't be funny. If you go down before you regain your true strength. And we flash over to uh, <clears throat> uh, the Leaf Village. And Eno is here. Huh? Boruto's chakra. And she has managed to... Uh, oh, no. I about to explain this. Uh, Naruto says, yep, forget about Kawaki's. Switch everyone over to on Boruto's chakra. A few dozen clicks around the village. Stat. And... Uh, Random screw-up guy says, I'm so sorry, Lord Seventh. I swear I had my eyes on them. I don't know what... <laughs> Why hasn't this guy been fired yet? <laughs> Just get him off. He is so worthless. I mean, I guess maybe a little more grace should be shown, uh, but this is still the Hokage son. Like, 
this the guy you got you're protecting him i don't remember this guy as a name oh my gosh it's so stupid <laughs> oh boy i have to focus let me slap myself real quick oh there we go Naruto, being more forgiving to me, says, What's done is done. You heard me. Hurry up and search for Boruto. I suspect that's also where Kawaki will be. Ashikamaru appears and says, Worst case, the enemy too. Code may have already tracked Kawaki down, even killed him. Naruto says, Shikamaru, what are you doing here? Isn't it obvious? I can't let you go alone. You don't have Kurama's power anymore. It'd be suicide. Are you telling me to abandon the kids? Calm down. Let me finish. No one's thinking about stopping you. I'm going with you. Since, unfortunately, Sasuke isn't back from tracking code yet. Uh, real good job there, Sasuke. And Sai is on Amato guard duty. I know it'll be dangerous. I don't want to argue with you. Just be grateful we're not stopping you. We'll head out as soon as Boruto's located. And then Hinata appears to do nothing because Kishimoto doesn't like women. Uh, and they say each other's names. And she is looking incredibly young in this, like, uh, Himawari looks older than her in this panel. It is kind of weird. And Hinata saying, I'll go too. I-, I can't just stay still. She looks like Himawari's like slightly older sister. This is this is bad. Uh, it's even worse what happens in a, <laughs> coming up. Naruto says, no way. Think of Himawari. What if something happens to you? Stay here, please. You know, because Hinata is a woman and we can't have that, even though Ino is about to do stuff. But, you know, whatever. Even though Hinata is arguably even stronger than Naruto right now. I mean, uh, maybe not, but she would put up a heck of a fight. Now that he's lost his abilities because, oh no, we have to nerf nerf our main characters from the last one so he doesn't overshadow the new main character. Shikamaru gets her to stay because, you know, anti-feminism and all that. And Imawari uh, says, it'll be okay, right, Papa? You'll come back safely with Big Bro and Kabuki? And he says, of course. Have you forgotten who your dad is? I, I, I have to preface this. I do like Boruto. It <laughs> just get grating sometimes. And nonsensical. And ugh. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Boruto is examining the claw marks that Code uh, has been using and is finding out he can't absorb them, so they must not be made of chakra. Which, uh, I must say code. Uh, Kabaki says, they're mostly physically embodied chakra, but there's iron mixed in from his blood, making them composites. Enough to be considered physical matter, and thus karma can't absorb them. So be careful. More importantly, what's up with you? Where the heck did Momoshiki go? Uh, Porto says, I don't know. Whether it's an effect of the meds or not, it's never happened before. Which means it's unreliable. You better not suddenly lose control. Worry later for now. Let's focus on taking him down. Because that'll solve everything, won't it? And Code's saying, Whatever the effects of those meds on, of Amato's, I can't actually get rid of Momoshiki. You're still Osutsuki, now and beyond. Not to, uh, excuse me, Borto says, How does he know about the meds? Code continues, Not that it matters to me, whether you're Borto or Momoshiki, as long as a divine tree germinates from feeding you to ten tails. And that seems safe. No quality-related problems at all. You'll be a top-notch sacrifice. Porto says, no thanks. My answer's never going to change. The completion of your Osutsuki... Osutsuki Dang it, Kishimoto. Why do you make words like that? I hate it. Is no longer an issue of if, but when. 
I'll be back for you once you reach peak ripeness. Until then, <laughs> and he goes to grab Kabuki from behind. Goodbye for now. It was fun, Uzumaki Boruto. I'll see you soon. Let's go, Kawaki. She's waiting. Uh, we discovered that Kawaki was using a Shadow Clone. So he attacks Code from behind, who reacts in time as they're both going after each other. Uh, Boruto uses a Rasengan to attack him, but he manages to get away. Code asks, what is this, Kawaki? I thought you'd, you'd agree to come with me. Don't get the wrong idea. Everything I've done and do is all for Lord Seth. Borta says, exactly. And if we can just take you down, that would be the fastest and easiest. Because it's, gah, I'm starting to get pissed off at both of you. Fine, let me make this clear. It'll go better for you if you just obey me. Borta says, is that all you got to say? Then come, let's settle this. And Naruto at the Leaf Village has managed to find uh, Boruto. It says, roughly 40 clicks to the northwest, and there's someone else whose chakra I don't recognize. Chikamaru asks, is it code? You know, you there? And they uh, communicate telepathically. So we, know Bort we know where Borto is. We're heading there now. And you know, says, uh, copy that. Be careful, Shikamaru. And Naruto and his Shadow Clones are going to leave with Shikamaru, uh, who's worried about Naruto. And Naruto says, don't worry, quite a lot longer than before, actually. Call it the wisdom of age. <laughs> Shikamaru says, what, what wisdom of age? I've always loved their relationship. I mean, in all the, the stupidity of what's been going on here, it is nice to have them working together still. So they leave to go find them. Uh, Boruto and Kabuki are still fighting code. We are wasting like at least 10 or 12 panels to do this. They almost managed to get him, but he teleports away. Code says, that was a bit of a close call. I have to watch for those vanishing Rasengans. Uh, Boruto says, it wasn't close enough for us. And Ida, uh, all the way from wherever she is being useless, says, close call. Not funny, you idiot. Quit fooling around. And Boruto, where they're actually at, says, so cheap tricks don't work. Ah, well, I guess we just have to go all out. But then he gets a pain in his chest, and he falls down to the ground. That's the end of Boruto. Uh, this pacing sucks. Uh, I want something to actually happen. I mean, it does at the very end. But, I mean, if this were an episode in the anime, it'd be one episode. And we wait a month for this to happen. So, I'm not the only one. A lot of people are really, like, down with the pacing right now. So, uh, what's going to happen next? Well, well, well maybe Kawaki gets taken, and that's why we see him... Later on in that flash forward we have, the very beginning with him, you know, being evil. And this is why, because maybe he falls in love with Ida, and that's her purpose to destroy, is to be a woman. And that's what women are good for. So says Lord Kishimoto. Okay, I I'm done. I'm done being negative. We're going to move over to Dr. Stone. Z equals 219. Three heroes. So everyone speculates about uh, who could possibly be one of the three astronauts. And Zeno explains, here in our stone world, the, this mission in the space will be an entirely different beast than the missions of the past. Firstly, for the majority of the flight, including the takeoff, our astronauts will be petrified. And Gin says, of course, they only need to be revived for the critical part of the mission. 
Senku says, yep, designing our life support systems was way easier with that assumption in place. Yukio says, a distinct advantage in our new world. Senku continues, however, the unprecedented difficulty comes in not knowing the exact nature of the mission. Who exactly is why, man? Can our science triumph over this foe? All we can rely on is our experience dealing with Y-Man's Petra Bean. That key factor may decide humanity's fate. As such, we will not seek out astronauts from the 21st century. Instead, we will select and train three astronauts from among us. And from them, we will need the following three. A pilot, a scientist, and a warrior. And Ryusui says, that first slot is mine, am I wrong? And no one disagrees. Because they know better than to stop Ryusui. And Zeno says, picking our scientists is more of an issue. I must remain on the ground at mission control so I can betray everyone. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but uh, I'm not putting it past him. As no one else can fulfill that role. And Crumb says, the scientists ain't it obvious. So we can say, why is that even up for debate? But Zeno says, they may be petrified during the flight, but even so, our astronauts must undergo considerable stamina training. <laughs> and everyone knows Sinku sucks at stamina. He's got Lelouch syndrome there. So he goes through uh, uh, Nikki's rigorous stamina training. <laughs> She's beating him up and down. And he's barely doing anything. And we get a lovely panel after what's it been like 10 years, seven petrified, and you know, three more after this time skip. Taiju and Yuzuriha are back together. Uh, Ginro slash Ginro, whoever he is, gets beaten up by Kohaku and Ruri for himself. And uh, Gin and Zeno are talking to each other. Says, hmm, dear Zeno, is there another reason the troops were called home? Elegant deductive reasoning is always good. But yes, we must now select our mission's warrior. And Tsukasa is leading the pack at the moment. Over and over again. <clears throat> and Senku is remembering uh, forever ago, Byakuya, not the dad, when he was in training to become an astronaut, his th thing too was that he was also really bad at swimming. <clears throat> and Chrome and Suika are cheering him on as he's actually getting better. And now they're going for a concentration trial. And Ukio and again are talking. It says, I've heard about these kinds of tests. They give them blank white jigsaw puzzles to solve or other tasks to demand patience and diligence. And Kuhaku seems to be having some difficulty with it. But Senku has no problem because he's Senku. And again, asks, who came up with these Isled Way mazes? And we see Sai on the side with his maze making program. Then they're going through an equilibrium trial. And it looks like Ginro Ginro and Ginro Ginro and Magma who can actually remember the name of, uh, all failing. But Tsukasa seems to be doing better than everyone else. And they're debating, like, should it be him? But Kohaku actually does a little better than him. And they're meeting up later on and by themselves. And she says, hey, what's going on, Tsukasa? Why'd you meet me out here? And he suddenly attacks her out of nowhere. And as she defends herself, she says, explain yourself. After coming this far, I refuse to believe that you would backstab us now. And then he relents for a second, says, No. I'm sorry, Kohaku. Forgive me for gauging your skills. This brings back memories of the day we first met. When we crossed blades, much like this. Now, forever ago. After countless life and death battles, you are now just as capable a warrior as Yoga or myself. 
She says, ha, spam me to flattery. I'm not that much from our skirmish just now. Even so, when it comes to martial arts, I can't measure up to you in the least. The gap between us is not the yawning chasm you imagine, especially given the weapons now provided by the Kingdom of Science. Yes, science is a great equalizer. So, it is my opinion that a nimble, agile warrior is, more, is most suited to moon combat. Plus, this will reduce the rocket's total great white, blah, weight by dozens of kilograms. As a combat expert of this team, that is my appraisal. So we find the three heroic astronauts who will confront Y-Man are Ryusui, Senku, and Koaku. And that is the end of the chapter. So, uh, when I first read this, I was not big on it. I figured it'd be a lock for Tsukasa. But after I read through it again more and more, and like, you know, it makes sense you know, from an engineering standpoint, um, <clears throat> from an organizational standpoint, that you'll want the team to be as light as possible, especially when you're petrifying them. I mean, Tsukasa is a beast uh, of muscle. And then you petrify that, and that's going to cause a lot of problems. Because from what I understand of space travel, you need to make sure... Like, kind of like when they weigh stuff on a plane, like you can only have so much weight on there, otherwise it's going to screw up everything from you know the flight path and yeah, you know, all that. So it makes sense for Kohaku to go in. Uh, obviously, Senku was coming; he's main character, and there was no one really trying to challenge Ryusui, so those two were a lock. So I, I'm interested to see. I, got, I am interested to see where Kohaku. Uh, goes with them in this. So it seems like Dr. Stone is coming to a close. Uh, some people are saying, I- I've probably talked about this before on a podcast, uh, as few as 25 chapters, maybe as much as 75. I'll go in the middle and say 50. So that's that. And oh boy, we get to go into Dragon Ball Super. Oh, excuse me. Before that, before I get there, there was a Don't Blush Second Mason chapter, chapter 32. Uh, there wasn't a lot. It was just basically the girls cross-dressed and the boys cross-dressed uh, for their little uh, cafe thing for school, for the little festival. And then Kaoru showed up. So that was that. I mean, it was kind of nice seeing them in the different outfits. They looked kind of cool. That was about it. So moving on to Dragon Ball Super, chapter 78, Gas's Wish. Wow. Uh, I'll say this actually turned me around on Gas as a character. Even though it's still ridiculous to say his name out loud. So we start with Maki uh, trying to contact Oil about uh, how things are going. Because they're doing fine. But then she notices that things are going not fine. And she goes out and says, we've got trouble, Alec. Granola and the Saiyans stop kicking the crap out of each other. Why? Some old Namekian popped up and stopped the fighting. A Namekian, huh? Manaitu, he knows better than the middle. Let's go kill them all, Gas says. A massacre? Good idea, especially since those three idiots are probably weakened from all their fighting. Right, fine. You two head that way. Meanwhile, I've got a dragon to see about a wish. Cool, here's a radar on the spell you need to summon a dragon. And we're off. Get it done. I will see your wish fulfilled, Gas. I'm fine, just as I am. Don't be silly. This is the only surefire way to achieve our goals. Our plans all rely on you. You know that, right? Yeah? Yes, I know. So, hey, no more time for chit-chat. Let's move, Gas. And they both leave. 
and Granola, as we flash bound to the planet, is still reeling from the uh, revelations she's just gotten. How can this be? Elect was the one who murdered my mother? You knew the whole time and still let me work for the heaters? Emanite says, you gotta understand, it was the only way for us to survive. And Goku intervenes and says, cut it out, Granola, let's hear him out. You kept me in the dark for all these decades, letting them use me like that. And Vegeta, some character asks, well, well, did he win? Did Pardock defeat Gas? And Manito says, uh, he sure did. All right. He says, glad to hear it. Vegeta pipes up and says, Bardock was a low-class warrior, as far as I know. Was Gas really that weak? Nope, just the opposite. Gas was very strong, but and he's interrupted. As the sky has grown dark, and Goku remarks, hey, uh, what the? It's like when we call Shinron. I can't. And I know Shenlong is a, is a valid translation, but I'm so used to Shinron, so I'm going to go with that. And it's this. Uh, Monaito has recognized that they've used the uh, Dragon Balls. And uh, <clears throat> while they're doing that, and poor Serialians are freaking out. And then just like that, the darkness is gone. Goku says, what, what was that about? As they both sense a major energy, a new source of energy heading their way. And uh, uh, Maki and what is Tubby Guy's name? Oil. Wow, I, sh- I should know that. Uh, oh, what's up? Looks like the gang's all here. Goku says, you jerks, we know the whole story now. Why are you here? Well, now that their plan's in motion, all that's left is to take out the trash. And hey, thanks for being a team player all these years, Granola. You brought these Saiyans here to kill me, didn't you? You low down dirty. Well, you didn't leave us much of a choice when you decided to become the strongest in all the universe. Talk about cheating. Too bad for you, you're not the only one who can make a wish. On that note, (laughs) now presenting Gas, the actual strongest warrior in the universe. Vegeta says, what? Another one? It's the strongest warrior in the universe bargain sale? And Gas appears, and he's actually looking kind of impressive for once. And he stares him down, and Manito reveals that they used the Dragon Balls, and Vegeta uh, and Goku are like, wait, what? There were Dragon Balls on this planet? <laughs> As they were out of the loop on this regard. So welcome to the club, guys. And Granola says, yes, I used them to become the strongest in the universe. Goku says, ah, oh, that explains it. And Gas sends out a beam of energy to kill them, and in true Team Four Star fashion, Vegeta tells everyone to dodge! And it cuts Granola's ship in half. And then Gas uses his, looks like, energy projection powers to summon this kind of, like, four-pronged, it's not a trident, exactly, it's a, I don't know how that would work, whatever this thing is, and then impales Granola, to the ground. And says, I never liked you. I provide enough muscle for the heaters. You were not needed. At last, I am free to kill you. Goku tries to intervene, but then Gas summons these, like, uh, kind of, what's the best way to describe it? Like, uh, energy cubes around Goku's hands and feet. Kind of similar to what they would use in Kakaishi, those, um, those things they would someone to like hop on to like lift themselves up to fight for those of you who've seen that I guess this you must be that Saiyan son that would explain the familiar face does his father still live 
And Vegeta says, that entire generation of Saiyans were, were slain by Frieza himself. Only a few members of our tribe survives to pur survived the purge. Was that so? And Maki says, well, works for us. We'll finish what Frieza started and then take out the rest of the trash. And Goku says, well, why do you have to kill us in the first place? And Gas says, you and Granola must perish, as do all who might threaten our plans. And he summons this energy X, now die. And as he's about to kill Goku, he is hit by a blast from uh, Granola because Minaito managed to get the uh, four-prong thing out of him. He says, the, the title of the strongest belongs to me. But then he gets slapped <laughs> by Gas, uh, thrown into the dirt, and he creates a, a couple of spike balls at him, uh, forcing him back and back. Again, like beating the crap out of him. He said, Alex saw value in your strength, but I never did. And Manito has come over to Goku and is getting rid of the accused uh, of energy and is starting to heal him. Uh, but he says, I have a request. I know I've got no right to ask for favors, but please save Granola for me. Goku says, sure, I'll do what I can. And we flash over to the continuing fight. Oh, excuse me, this, this is in a flashback of Granola as a youth. And uh, Manito was told, like, look, uh, you got to work with us or else, buddy. Or we'll kill you. So let Granola come with us and be our uh, enforcer. He explains to Goku in the present. He says, I think you made the wrong choice back then. It would have been better to die than serve Alec. But Goku says, well, you did it so you two could survive. You didn't have much of a choice. They're the bad guys here. Ammonite says, I don't even live up to being a Namekian. I can't even manage to restore your energy. Which uh, causes Goku to think, uh, Goku, <laughs> Goku to think rationally. Says, Vegeta, don't you have another Sensu bean? bean? And Vegeta says, yes, but it stored in my armor, which I tossed away. <laughs> so, what the heck, Vegeta? And Granola is uh, hit again by uh, Gas's attack. And Goku says, he's out cold and not getting up. Thanks for the healing, old man. I feel much better now. Vegeta, go back and find your armor. I'll try to hold my own in, in the meantime. Eat it as soon as you find it. He says, really? Who says, only fair. I ate the first one, remember? Very well. Don't die, Kakarot. And Goku gives him a thumbs up and says, you can transform into freaky face mode again and beat Gas. <laughs> it's such a good Goku line. because uh, Number one, he's one to talk. I mean, we've all seen Super Saiyan 3. And you really look like a Neanderthal on that one. And Vegeta gets a little miffed and says, Mode, it's called Ultra Ego, you fool. Goku gets in front of Gas to stop him from killing Granola and says, Listen, buddy, what you guys are doing here is just too cruel. Gas says, So the endangered species have become friends. Not your place, outsider, which is actually uh, kind of a cool line. This is just how the heaters operate. And he attacks Goku, who seems to be going, I think this is base Super Saiyan God. Can't really tell from the art style. And they're going back and forth at one another. Uh, Goku's barely holding his own. <clears throat> but uh, Gas summons a giant mallet to attack Goku from behind. And they've noticed, uh, the other heaters have noticed that Vegeta's gone. As he has located the Senzu Bean, he returns to the fight. But he doesn't eat it because he's actually going to give it to Granola. Who he tells, you know, eat this, it will restore your energy. 
And Granola says, you had something like that all along. Eating it could have helped you beat me. And in true Vegeta fashion, and take the coward's way out? Never. Now eat the freaking bean and rejoin the fight. Your revenge must be satisfied, no? So settle this grudge with your own strength. And that is the end of the chapter. So, gotta say, uh, uh, like I said, this kind of turned me over on Gas's character. Um, he's actually a threat now. So, did he make the exact same deal Granola did? Sounds like it. But, I mean, what's his motivation for doing that outside of being regarded as the only enforcer the heaters need? Um, so, I, I'm, I'm more positive on this one. And it's great character moments from both Vegeta and Goku. Uh, Vegeta giving Granola the Senzu bean makes perfect sense in character. It's like, as someone who's been motivated by pride his entire life, like Vegeta giving it to him so that Granola have his personal pride, you know, be restored. It's like, hmm, chef's kiss. Loving it. All right, and from there, we will go to Fire Force because the elusive samurai is on break uh, this week. We have two chapters of Fire Force to cover. Uh, 291 into a second sun and 292 the fourth time. Well, it's going bad, yo. Shinra has given in to his darkness. Uh, on the earth, looks like uh, Lisa, uh, Licht, and uh, Vulcan are being uh, consumed. Uh, Joker and Burns uh, are noticing it as well. You know, so it's saying, with Shinra consumed by rage, it seems the future of humanity is as good as gone. Joker says, yeah, I saw it too. Is this how it'll end, Shinra? Uh, Maki and, oh gosh, what is, what is uh, uh, Second in Command's name? I, I never remember his name. Uh, so Maki, him, and noticing poor dead Captain Obi, they seem to be consumed by despair. And Binimaru's people uh, in the town are all freaking out as well. But he, being himself, says, you guys, it's sake time. <laughs> Love Minimaru. They look like the world's dying, but, you know, screw it. Let's just enjoy it. And let's enjoy the show to the fullest as we see the Soul Eater moon behind him. As they're about to be consumed by flames, they eat sake together. And I believe this is the evangelist speaking up. As the time has finally come, the extinction is well on its way, and with it, the acknowledgement of humanity's secret desire to return to the sun shall be truly realized. And so the birth of the second sun shall commence. Now I can finally return to the flame of Adola. And that is the end of chapter 291. So not a lot happened in that one. It's more like the after effects of Shinra giving in to his darkness and sinning. Uh, so we'll just move over to 292. <clears throat> and we see that the great cataclysm is now complete. The earth is engulfed with flames and has become a sun. And the second sun was born. And so the water became the star of fire. And Sho is on his hands and knees saying, it's all over. I'm sorry, brother. All I could do was stand and watch. And all man says, the earth has become the sun and is now one with Adola. We are now the last three people on earth. And Shinra in his demonic form says, I'm not letting you off the hook that easy, all man. I'll kill you with my own hands. Humanity's hopes has been fulfilled. Now grant me the salvation of death. He says, shut the hell up, I'll kill you! But before he can go, he is, you fool! 
so hyped. And he gets a splitting headache. Uh, it's, it seems like even a beam of energy can see them. So what what is this? And Arthur, uh, from all the way from where he sat, says, uh, did you forget our promise, devil? I said I'd give you three chances. Don't tell me you forgot. You made a promise. That's what you said when you went to the fourth. Are you a hero or a devil, I said. I'd cut you up depending on that answer. Uh, and Homes Shinris, the fourth pillar's guardian, is... Shinris says, everyone in the eighth is dead, and that's all my fault. Arthur, what am I supposed to do? And he gets hit again. <laughs> oh, it's his plasma sword. <laughs> Arthur says, you can't be whining at a time like this. It's at times like this when all you can do is whine. <laughs> uh, but before he can get hit again, Arthur says, you can't just give up. Even if everyone in the world despairs, you're the only one who mustn't give up. You know the answer as to why, right? Shinris says, because I'm a hero. No matter what happens, I'll never give up. I won't give up even if humanity is unconscious thinks their, despair is, uh, their solution is despair. What kind of sad excuse for a hero would I be if I did? And Arthur says, you know, honestly, that prince of, of a guy is a pain in the butt. Right, Excalibur? <laughs> Which says, fool! <laughs> and to those who are wondering why I'm laughing, uh, uh, you, you need to watch Soul Leader. That's all I can say. Uh, uh, I guess it's true that a weapon bound with strong feelings would have a soul. Fool! <laughs> I love Excalibur. <laughs> and it's not full-on Excalibur just yet. So it seems like if, if what people are thinking is that uh, Fire Force is uh, a prequel to uh, Soul Eater in some way, shape, or form, and this is the birth of Excalibur, like, I'm here for it. <laughs> I love Excalibur so much. <laughs> Uh, so Homea and the evangelist are together. She said, no matter how much you persist, we're the only ones left on Earth. What exactly are you going to do about it? Shinri says, humanity is unconscious and your thoughts are irrelevant to the outcome of this. And since I don't want the world to end up like this, I won't let it. Because I am hope. But right before he can do anything else, a mysterious figure has emerged, which is the... Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Infernal uh, version of his mother. And that is the end of the chapter. So, lots of really fun introductions here. Uh, excellent job by Arthur, who by all rights should be dead now. <laughs> After his huge battle in space. <laughs> I I'm so mad I wasn't covering those chapters then. Because it was just like, uh, it felt long. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh my gosh, it was so dumb and so fun. So having him come back, especially with his antagonistic relationship with Shinra, uh, I really enjoyed that, you know, how they, despite everything, the two are going to look out for each other. It was just perfectly on par for their characterization. So uh, I'm feeling really good. Like, even though I know a lot of people are really down on these chapters, like the thing, well, oh, of course, uh, this is when the reset happens and everyone's just going to mystically come back to life. I was like, well, maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Let's just wait and see how it unfolds before we get all negative. <laughs> I need to move on. Something not like depressing, but not, not, not as uplifting. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll just keep laughing. All right. 
So we're going to go to Jujutsu Kaisen. Because uh, once again, oh, sorry, before that, uh, moment of silence, please, uh, for Red Hood. Thank you all for participating. Jujutsu Kaisen, chapter 166. I really hope when these episodes do get to me, I'm going to put a notification for the time for Red Hood. Just so the series never dies. I'm dumb. I know I'm dumb. Thank you for joining me while I'm being dumb. Jujutsu Kaisen, Chapter 166, Tokyo Number One Colony, Part Six. And boy, this chapter. Oh, it's excellent. So we get a flashback of Higuruma being asked by uh, one of his superiors why he doesn't become a judge. Uh, he's like, oh, well. Yeah, that's nice, but I don't think it's for me. <clears throat> uh, in the present, uh, Judge Man, with eyes open, mouth open wide, saying, guilty, confiscation, death penalty, as Higuruma looks very upset. But he brings out his executioner swords. And narration we get, the harshest sentence Judge Man can give is the death penalty with confiscation. First, confiscation removes the ability to use a cursed technique. Cursed energy in Itadori's case. Then Higuruma receives the Executioner's Sword. Without exception, anyone cut by the Executioner's Sword will die. To empathize with human emotions means to understand their weaknesses. The weakness of the victim, of the accused. Day after, day after, day after day, I was fed up with it. Ugly. That's what I thought every time I tried to help another person. And that includes you, Itadori. All people are weak and ugly, no matter how high-minded a soul you aspire to be. There's nothing more to it. The darkness before your eyes is just darkness. Even if you shine a light, all you see is more emptiness before you. As he starts giving into his own despair, and attacks over and over again, but Yuji is using the chairs in the room to block the sword, uh, to try and get a hit on him. He uh, manages to dodge out of the way, goes for his legs to try and sweep him there. Higuruma jumps in the air to attack him. And just get out of the way, and we threw a flashback once more. And Igoruma says, sorry, but I can't become a judge. And the guy, uh, next one says, oh, may I ask why? He says, I'm not cut out for it. Not ambitious enough. Until that point, at the very least, I thought I should value that very depravity, which other animals don't have. Why, Yuji Itadori? Why did you confess to the crime? The information judgment su submits as evidence is shared with the sorcerer himself before opening. The evidence submitted was about the demon inside you, about Sakuna. You weren't the one who killed them. So why? Why? And we get an awesome panel of Yuji decking Higuruma right in the chest, causing him to fly backwards into one of the chairs. And he says, Article 39, Clause 1 of the Penal Code. And Yuji says, what? What? Hey! Higuruma continues, The absence of reason and or control signifies non copus mentis. Sukuna's possessed your body in Shibuya. How do you know about... In other words, you couldn't control yourself. And you didn't abandon self-control voluntarily. So, you're innocent. You didn't commit that crime. Well, even so, it's my fault. Because I'm too weak. Higuruma says, I see. Higuruma, why did you dispel your cursed technique? I remembered why I got into law in the first place, Itadori. There may still be lots of people who are weak, like you. 
Put on your clothes and sit down. I'll give you 100 points. And he's putting his hoodie back on. And Higurum asks, Itadori, have you ever killed anyone of your own will? And Yuji says yes. I see. Didn't feel awful. And that is the end of the chapter. And what a banger of a chapter. Like, Jujutsu Kaisen has not been missing. Ah, I love it. So I was right. I mean, it's fairly obvious what was going to happen. I mean, I mean, there could have been some curveballs thrown. But see the two of them working together. See uh, Yuji being the one to uh, make him feel re-inspired again, to rem- remind Higuruma why he got into his job in the first place was just what was needed. I'm trying to think. Uh, as far as speculation goes, it looks like he's got him on his side. So those 100 points are going to change everything. So I think next chapter, we're probably going to go back to Megami and his situation. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't got back there yet, but I'm glad we stuck with Yuji and Higuruma. So, yeah. Very, very good chapter. I might even say chapter of the week if I did that. But since we don't do that, we'll move on to Maguchan. God of Destruction, Chapter 68, The Ten Divine Generals of the Holy Knighthood. <laughs> uh, this is a... I almost said weird, but, I mean, it's weird in the case of Magu-chan. Uh, in the sense of the mix of comedy and uh, seriousness. Anyway, we'll just get into it. Uh, so we see five figures speaking at a strategy meeting. As the Holy Knighthood's Ten Divine Generals. And they are meeting, as we see, in a fast food restaurant. <laughs> uh, so, so when should we make our move? And I'm not going to say names because they're not revealed until late in a chapter, so just bear with me. Let's not be hasty. Without restocking our resources, it would be a tough fight. I thought there would be a signal when a time comes. That's what I heard, but I don't know what kind of signal it'll be. A signal? Perhaps it will be a smoke signal. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Who does that in this day and age? <laughs> we get a mother and a child. Look, Mommy, who are those people? <laughs> it's not polite to stare. <laughs> As you see, uh, most of them are in armor or just being like general, like to anyone looking in that they'd be very Chunbiyo-ish. <laughs> and we get a beep, beep, and the guy in armor freaks out. Uh, 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 what is this? And it finds those little, um, those little buzzers they give out in restaurants. <laughs> when your order is ready, but they don't know what it is because they're so out of touch. Uh, something appears to be ringing. Is it the signal? Perhaps it's some kind of trap. There's nothing about this in my records. Meet over to PA. Uh, customer number 18. We're being summoned! <laughs> uh, the water is self-serve, so please help yourself. You have our gratitude. <laughs> uh, so one of them asks, uh, so how's it going on your end? Nanitsi the Astral, who appears and is now eating from uh, a soup spoon. Are the preparations for the portal all set? I see. In that case, let us continue with the stakeout as planned. Our targets are madness, destruction, and... And it goes off. And Wu leaves Magu-chan behind so he can uh, help ease him up with his studies again, as has been recurring for the past couple of chapters. And Izuma actually gets a nice little moment here uh, with Magu. He says, you know, although you, you are a wicked god, I am indebted to you, Magmanuik. 
Twitch Muggy says, praise me. <laughs> and they go over to Ren's house, and he is still depressed because of what happened, because he thinks that Ruru thinks that he wants to be with Sarah. And he's all all up in the evil about that. And Magu talks to Napitaku says, You're here again, Napitaku. It doesn't hurt, hurt to help Buneris from time to time. Besides, Maranoia has free samples. I'm going to devour them all. There are no rations to be shared with you. <laughs> and they go off, and they run into the pass of some humans. He says, hey, out of my way. How dare you block my path, you lowly humans? <laughs> says, an evil, wicked god. We shall subjugate you. Grand Cross disaster. And they attack Nabutaku, who is beaten up from this. <laughs> Ren says, so we're all thinking, what the heck was that? What was that lame attack name? Nizo says, a spell. Could it be? The highest presiding combat unit in the Holy Knighthood. What are they doing here? You wicked gods, allow us to introduce ourselves, since this is our first time meeting. I am the wise general who uses my clever mind to take charge. I'll halt to the violent gale. I am the ruthless white sorceress who has mastered the art of magic. Alicia of ice and snow. I'm the mighty arm that crashes, crushes and burns evil. Jekyll of scorching burns. <laughs> I am ready to serve piping hot tea at a moment's notice. Ergot of the blazing inferno. <laughs> and I am the boss who holds the ten divine generals together. Gildabar of blazing heat. Aren't there too many fire-themed names? <laughs> we, the holy knighthood's ten divine generals, have arrived. <laughs> See, other people are reacting in the background. It's like, what's going on there? Is this like a superhero show or something? <laughs> And Ren's thinking, these guys are old enough to know better. And Yzma's freaking out like, what are all the ten divine generals doing together? What are you trying to start here? Just wait. Uh, you say all, but there's only five of them. Aren't there ten divine generals? And, uh, oh gosh, I just said his name. Uh, Gildabar says, uh, well, this is all of us. We're a little short on manpower. <laughs> and they say, that they are there for Izuma Kisaragi to give him a message. Your mission of mo monitoring Magmanuik is over. Return to HQ. And they say, we never, never uh, we should have never left this region to the uh, Uneris fragment. Nothing out of the ordinary here, my butt. <laughs> so you see, uh, as I suspected, uh, her messages back to them were not exactly what they needed to be placated. Which, knowing her, was something she did to foment chaos anyways. And destruction, madness, illusions, and fate have all broken their seals and gathered here. Out of the ordinary is the only way to describe this situation. The reports from you and Oneris are not worthy of our trust. HQ will assign you a new mission in a different region. What? But, and Rin pipes up and says, hold on, I don't know who you guys are, but you don't know what you're talking about. And what about all his efforts? We're in the middle of studying for exams. Gildabar says, those are unnecessary. That is not our mission. The subjugation of wicked gods and the protection of humanity is our mission. And we shall demonstrate that power now, God of Destruction, Mog Manuik. <laughs> the police show up. <laughs> they put a hand on his shoulder. Uh, we got reports of people causing a disturbance. Uh, we're going to need to see some ID. <laughs> uh, unhand us. We are the ten divine generals. Uh, you're disrupting this establishment's operations, so we'll listen to whatever you say, have to say outside. Gildabar says, curses, we cannot disobey the good people. We will retreat for now. <laughs> they use the Nitsi to escape. But before leaving, 
They say, but we completed our goal. Until we meet again, wicked gods. And it says, that group was a mess. Sheesh, I don't think I'll be able to keep them all straight. And Magu says, they completed their goal. Of what accomplishment do they speak? And he says, they didn't carry out any subjugation, so was it a protection of humanity? It can't be. Master, Magmanuik, they were just trying to buy some time. We must hurry back to your home at once. And Ruru has showed up in her house. She says, huh? How do you know where my house is? And she's realized, uh, Sarah is there. And Sarah grabs her and says, Ruru, I'm sorry. And she opens the portal with Nanitsi. And before Izuma can stop her, they go into the, the portal. And right at this moment, a pigeon has arrived, which means it's a sign from Winaris. And Izuma is asking, why did this have to happen? What is Winaris doing? And, oh, it says, what is it? What happened? And the pigeon is delivering a message to Izuma from Winaris. So knowing her, uh, this is probably like, hey, uh, Ruru is being taken, but I know this note is getting here late because I wanted to create the most drama possible because I'm Winaris. <laughs> So, actual plot progression in Magu-chan. Uh, was not expecting this, which is pleasantly surprised by everything that's going on here. Um, are we going to have the uh, Ruru... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Retrieval arc? Will <laughs> she turn Sasuke on them? <laughs> Will Gildabar office to get rid of her cursed mark? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, if anything, she's going to be the one kind of reganing it up for my mob psycho fans out there, trying to tell them all like, "Hey, get a job. <laughs> You're all adults. Like this is this is dumb." Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, from Magu-chan to Mashal. Magic and Muscles, Chapter Eighty Six. Lance Crown and the Wicked. <laughs> Whack-a-mole. God dang it, natural. Uh, mm. So, disclaimer for this one: like this one had its ups and downs. Uh, I've never really been big on Lance's sister complex. I, I hate in the Black Clover. I, I hate how Japan has this fixation on the idea. So, I mean, it's weird. It's something I don't like at all. But this chapter actually knows how to make it funny. So that's a huge challenge, and Mashal has proven me wrong. I didn't think it could ever be funny. So uh, we'll just get into it. Uh, previously, Mash was locked in a box. And I've heard people say this guy's name is Rose Quartz. I don't remember that being said out loud. So, I mean, I guess I'll call him Rose Quartz. I mean, uh, maybe I've said that before. My memory sucks, as you may have noticed, given my lack of knowing anything. <laughs> That's why I keep notes, and even they they fail me. So he's explaining again, uh, there's only one way to free him from the cage, by taking his two T's, keys. And the other guy, whose name will be introduced in a little bit, says, I'll let me be your your opponent, Monsieur Lance. And he turns around and says, try to survive until I get back, Dot. (laughs) And leaves him. And Dot says, aw, hell. Dot knows who he is in this story, and I feel terrible for him. But I think that's the last we see him in this chapter. We get Lance. Sir Lance of Easton, allow me, Charles Contini, to personally escort you to hell. 
Let's just try it. I'll take you down in an instant. Hm. You'll find your gravity magic is useless against me. What do you mean? <laughs> You'll see. Pardon me. I need to take this. As a phone goes up, says, call before a fight. Is it there, boss? Hello. Uh, yes, Ma. I'm doing well. <laughs> Magical item. Wrap a phone. <laughs> it's a rabbit phone. <laughs> says, yes, I'll be done soon. Dinner? Definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. You got me those band-aids, so I'm fine. I'll do my best. Yeah, I know. I'm your good boy. Okay. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Call you, call you soon. My apologies for interrupting our duel. <laughs> and in true hypocritical fashion, uh, Lance thinks gross. Talk about a weirdo. That's not the kind of thing you should let other people see. Why not? You just take it too far. We're not preteens anymore. Clinging to your mother like an infant. Who wouldn't mock a guy like you? Right, Anna, as he's talking to his hand. <laughs> Keep in it. You're almost there. Of course. Of course I'll win, even if it kills me. <laughs> Charles says, my word, he's completely unhinged. <laughs> uh, who are you talking to? My little sister. There's no one else here. Are you mad? You have no right to question my sanity, you mama's boy. <laughs> what did you just say? Mothers are the only source of pure, unrequited affection in this world. The only relationship we have that isn't based on selfish interest. They give us their time, their labor, their love. How can anyone possibly choose to not cherish their mother? I've been a mama's boy since birth. <laughs> And uh, Finn, who was watching this, uh, as everyone else is, it's like, uh, that glassy-eyed stare. He's such an unrepentant mama's boy. So we have Oedipus complex versus sister complex. <laughs> and that says, and that's supposed to impress me? Well, too bad, because I've had a sister complex since before I was even born. <laughs> if it's a, and who fights over this kind of thing anyway? You madman. Screw you and your borderline inappropriate adoration for your sister. I won't take any more of your mockery as he summons his whack a <laughs> uh, uh, What's with this room? Uh, this is the whack a mole room. We're forbidden from attacking directly here, however. Vorp is the spell he uses to hit the whack a mole on the head as uh, Lance gets attacked by one of the whack a moles who has boxing clubs for some reason. It is set up so that whacking a mole inflicts damage upon your opponents. So, what a ridiculous setup. At least the rules are simple. I just hit the mole and he says, uses this magic to say, Gravioli! But the mole disappears before he can go. It's, that mole is fast. And he gets hit again, and it's clearly mocking me. <laughs> your gravitation magic isn't fast enough, sir, but as you can see, my portal magic can connect two spaces with zero lag, allowing me to whack it instantaneously. You can't possibly win. And he's continually hit over and over again by the attacks. And Charles continues, uh, Foolish fool! For this mole can detect magic energy gathering before a spell is cast. A high-energy spell like your gravitation magic is all too easy to see. It's time to admit your defeat. He's still trying? And even though he keeps repeatedly getting hit by the whack-a-moles, Lance is over and over again, like, testing his magic. It's Monsieur Lance. It seems you will lose at my clever game. And he's thinking to himself, lose? Me? And it's a bit of a flashback with other kids saying, Lance is kind of creepy. You're, like, too strong. 
Why do you got to be so rude? What are you thinking? You're cold. And his sister says, you know, I hope you find a friend who understands you too, Lance. If you let some nobody steal those coins from you, there'll be hell to pay. Thinking, lose? You don't have to warn me because it won't happen. You think, and he's remembering once more, but thanks. I'm glad you said it. It's nice to have a friend you can compete with. And I believe this is something Mash said to him. So, Lance, you can't lose to anyone else either, okay? And the president says, I'm going to lose. And he attempts to summon a spell again. And Charles says, when will you learn your magic? Graviole! And he manages to hit the moles. And Charles is thinking, the moles' magic sense didn't kick in, but why? As he notices four swords in the sky, crafted by his magic. He says, he used the extraordinary energy of his already empowered powerful second as bait to trick the mole's magic sensing abilities but that can't be as he gets smacked over and over again by the moles he says ah, such perseverance what drives you to such lengths and lance says for years i fought solely for the sake of my sister i've left out of all but that one goal despite what i'd become someone helped me help lead me back to the right path now i have two reasons i can't lose my sister and the promise I made to him. So, another excellent chapter from Mashal. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen has been missing. Mashal hasn't been missing. It continually cracks me up. <laughs> I'm enjoying it immensely. But enough of that. We will go on to My Hero Academia be chapter 300 and excuse me number 334 parting gift so as we left star and strike was killed after managing to mess with new order to cause shikaraki to uh lose some of his quirks the pilots are attempting to destroy them and shikaraki is thinking just before making my darling Mo nomu burst i stole this wing quirk from it I can make my getaway using my power in these wings. Someone, someone else must receive new order from me before I'm reduced to nothing. And thinking once again, like he's haunted by the image of All Might, regardless of what he does. And he manages to cause the pilots to get moved back uh, through messing with the wind, it looks like, or from the speed of his moving away. And the pilots are remembering what uh, Star and Strike first said when she met them, like, I'll make sure your remains make it back to your loved ones. <laughs> and he's thinking to himself, of course you surpassed him. You've always been the greatest hero, so. Uh, much to be on whether that's true or not, but she certainly uh, is pulling, you know, a lot of weight here. So we see, moving on to this, a a uh, criminal and his girlfriend. It uh, looks like he was a Tartarus escapee too. Named Kashiko Kashi. Uh, they're both living in the middle of nowhere, like so they can kind of like hide under the radar. But unfortunately, Chikaraki comes in. How does he know he's there? I don't know if he's. Uh, it's not really explained. He just kind of like finds someone. So it just happened to be a criminal he came next to. So he's thinking, Miss Star likely assigned a new rule to her quirk that prevents it from residing among other quirks. In that case, I'll just steal this bystander's quirk. Once he's quirkless and he reaches for him, I can grant him new order and preserve it. 
but the inner star says, nice try, idiot. New Order revolts against other quirks. Thanks to all those other quirks inside you, my little revolt was the death of me. It's a real shame I couldn't kill you and finish the job, but here are some words of wisdom to remember, John Doe. As long as people stand up to save each other, someone will inherit that will of heroism. And make no mistake, they will strike you down. And this is all for one speaking. Give it a rest. The winner is the one who lives longest, so take a hike, dead lady. That someone... Some hero, Midoriya. So Star and Stripe is leaving her will to Deku. And Offer One has clearly not learned his lesson. So we move over, get some narration. The hunt for Shigaraki resumed immediately. Evidence of a struggle was discovered, but the villain had once again vanished without a trace, leaving the authorities back at square one. The entire world learned of the number one American hero's death that very day. With the knowledge that even the hero currently hailed as the strongest had fallen to this threat, the nations of the world backed down. We get uh, Salam, who was the Egyptian hero introduced in the third movie, and like, why, why can't I go? But they don't want him to go. They want any other foreign hero, which is very disappointing because I wanted to be introduced to a lot of new people. I mean, wasn't that kind of the point of the third movie? But, oh well. Looks like foreign heroes are off the menu. So we go over to the pilots talking to All Might, who's saying, uh, but Star's death wasn't in vain. And All Might's saying, Cassie, I wish I could have seen her. And they're continuing on saying, each X-66 we rode in on holds data from the battle. They were recording each biosignature and analyzing every quirk during the fight. Hopefully that data will provide a lead. No way, you folks don't already have people studying that monster, right? We get the next day, two days after Midoriya returned to UA. And Bakugo says, a deadline extension? Nomad says, yes. Originally, tomorrow was the day Shigaraki would have perfected his body. It seems like the entire class is there. But now he'll be out of commission for at least a week. As a parting gift, Star and Stripe bought us this time. We'll use this time to our advantage, and we'll take down Shigaraki and offer one. And we get the main three in the scene. That is the end of the chapter. So... More of a transition chapter from the mini arc we just had. Nothing major happening uh, that I can think of. Because um, it seems we haven't learned any of the quirks that Shigaraki has lost. Uh, we, di- we did learn that Star and Stripe wasn't there permanently, so she only could last for so long, which is still quite impressive to be fighting that long after death. So good on her. <clears throat> um. So, my hero is ending. Uh, within a couple of years, uh, some people are saying it's shooting to be around five hundred chapters. I can see that. There was talks of there being another school festival again. In the meantime, I don't know if that's still on the menu. So I think they have better things to do, like train. So we shall see what happens. Uh, a lot of things to still be done. And yeah, that's about all I have to say on that. And we will move on to One Piece. Yep. One Piece, chapter 10, uh, 10,000, excuse me, 1032, Odin's Beloved Blade. Now, this one has a lot of meat to it. Remember how I was saying the uh, the Boruto chapter had like nothing in it? Uh, this is the exact opposite. 
Oda's cramming in as much as possible within however many uh, 20 pages of this. Hmm. So we have uh, Marco and uh, <clears throat> uh, Izo talking about uh, they're trying to figure out what's been going on as they're entering the castle, uh, passing the big mom fight, uh, wisely getting out of that way. And um, <clears throat> Yamato is continuing to run away as Fuga appears, uh, being a giant himself, uh, joining her to uh, continue the fight. As there's an announcement overhead telling him about the enormous fire monster created by Conjuro that's attacking all the floors. And Brooke and Robin actually fall through the ceiling <laughs> and land on Fuga. As CP0, the agents are continuing to come after them. But before they can do that, they are engulfed by the flames. And everyone's freaking out, like wondering, what, what, it just keeps moving downward. Like, what's happening here? Yamato's freaking out as well, and she realizes if it goes any further down, no, no, anything but that, it's going to hit the armory, which means that the entire island's going to explode. Fuga, I need your help. And <clears throat> uh, Robin and Brooke are talking, says CP0 is on the other side of the flames. Uh, they'll be after us again soon. Let's hurry. As uh, <clears throat> uh Apu is continuing his spiel, and Extrake appears to butt in. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat just kind of died on me for a second there. And uh, Apu had used some uh, armament hockey, I believe, to keep himself in the fight. And they're debating uh, what they should be doing as the CP0 assassins attack them. So they say, you know, screw it, forget about all this, let's just join up. And we go to the Zoro versus King fight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Rachiosaurus can do special things, but apparently Pteranodons can too. <laughs> As uh, King is using his special Pteranodon powers to attack Zoro with these parts of his head. <laughs> they just keep fighting him back and forth. Oh my gosh. This is prime mode. It's just so good. <laughs> it's, King says, the pteranodons of the ancient past <laughs> hunted their prey just like this. <laughs> I'm sure they used that. <laughs> just like the unsuspecting creatures below. Like, is it throwing its head at me? <laughs> <laughs> and Zoro is very upset. I'm like, I had no idea. And he says, a 360-pound phoenix. It doesn't hit, so I've got to figure out a way to land a hit. Otherwise, I'm just wearing myself out. So I'm guessing the flame in your back is another pteranodon feature. And King says, it's not. It's not. I'm tired of this guy loading it over me. i got to knock him down on the ground first. Three sword style, black rope dragon twister. But King in the air is blocking the slashes with his wings. So Zora's saying... So between the dragon and the dinosaurs, you guys took up damage like nobody's business, huh? King says, true, but in my specific case, it goes even beyond that. Fine, I'll give you a sword fight. I do enjoy a good duel. And Zoro's thinking, I've hit him with a few slashes, yet he's not bleeding. His wings move, so I know they're not ornamental, but I can't be sure if he can use them to fly. 
The flames keep burning on his back. I assume they were part of his powers, but apparently they're not. Is he a fish man? Giant blood? No, I bet it's from some race I've never heard of. Now, we the audience know that this is because King is a member of the Lunarians, who are another race mixed up in the whole huge world of One Piece, uh, presumably from the moon, from their name, you would guess. But it's not Zora's fault he doesn't know this. I think, from what I understand, remember, uh, King is the only one we know for sure is a Lunarian. So he continues, I gotta solve whatever this is, or else I'm not gonna be able to beat him. Hey, here's something. says, what's that sound? A shamisen? No, that can't be right. And then suddenly, Enma, his sword, is reacting. It starts burning up. And we flash over to the treasure repository to see Orochi lying down. He says, shamisen playing? That's nonsense. In the midst of battle? What trick is this? It's coming from the next room. So he actually gets up to investigate says, ah, oh, it's so bright. Someone's in there. Is it an enemy? Do they know I'm here? And he says, what? Komorisaki? says, oh, have I died and gone to heaven? Or is this such, just a dream? Since that terrible day, I've not spent a night without dreaming of you, my dear. I cannot forget you. She says, neither can I, my lord. I am always, always by your side. And Orochi says, if this is a dream, I don't want to wake up. Now, if you remember... Uh, we haven't covered this on the podcast because it's been forever ago, but this is actually Hiyori, um, Momo's younger sister, who is now his older sister because of time travel shenanigans. Uh, and she and her guise of Kumurasaki was someone that Orochi had fallen in love with uh, forever ago, like at least 50, 75 chapters, maybe. Am I making that up? Who knows? So, excellent chapter from One Piece this week. And wow, we're really going to end on this dud. Well, suffer through it with me. I'm debating on whether to keep it. If you enjoy my suffering, maybe I'll I'll just keep going. But we're going to be with our brand new series of Protect Me, Shugamaru, which is written by Daiki Ihara who has written a, a, a One Piece spinoff about love or something like that. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. And if it's anything like this, I don't want to. I'll get a couple of chapters before I actually say whether I'm actually going to cover the whole series. I'm not expecting this to go long. I'm feeling the U19 energy real bad. But enough of that. My doom mongering. Doom saying. We'll start. Uh, Protect Me, Shugamaru, Chapter 1. I don't know if I got a title or not. I don't think I remember one. Oh, well. Who cares? Uh, So we'll start with the color page. At last you begin high school tomorrow. Now, Miss Sanagi, as you are the sole heir of the Ojo conglomerate, I must implore you to... Yeah, yeah, I'll watch out for myself. We get Sanagi Ojo, age 15. There is dire news. Intelligence suggests that the assassin known as Skull, a figure yet to be identified, mind you, is planning to snuff out your very life, miss. Oh, an assassin? Indeed. This is why you will have a bodyguard. And that would be myself against this short little shrimp with a sword and beads, and he throws a grenade, and it blows up the house. Uh, because he senses danger, because there was a bee next to her. That That's very funny. <clears throat> 
says, oh, you were nearly impaled by that bee stinger. Try nearly, she says, try nearly blown up by your grenade. What's with this guy, Butler? Who, uh, Butler explains, he's a member of the Teco clan, which has provided bodyguards for House Ojo for generations. His loyalty is beyond reproach. Uh, you sure about that? He, he just took out the Ojo family's roof. Look at him. He's like some kind of mad bomber after a hard, hard day's work. He says, I had been trained from childhood to guard the Ojo household. Shugo, Shugamaru Teko is my name. Age 10. She says, Shugamaru, why does that name sound so familiar? And uh, the butler says, from this day forth, he will be your bodyguard, Miss Sanagi. And she says, nah, send him packing. Says, what? But why? What about me displeases you? Now, everything from tip to toe to that thing on your head. How can this pipsqueak even guard me, right? And the butler says, the first through fourth sons of the Teko clan are already assigned to key members of your family, miss. Leaving only the fifth son for you. Which is weird, because she's the sole heir, so... Why are the other brothers guarding other people? Uh, who cares? U19. Calling it now. Oi. So Shukumaru says, I'll protect you. And she is not happy because he's got tunnel vision when it comes to his job. She's reading Jump. And... He gets mad and blows it up with fire with some dragon-looking thing. It's kind of dumb. He's enrolled in classes with her, uh, which is weird because he's 10 and she's 15. They faked everything. And <clears throat> he asks her, uh, were you unable to attend a more prestigious school, Sanagi? She, uh, you're still on? I am your faithful bodyguard. I never signed off on that. Crowds of pure danger. Skull may be lurking nearby. Uh-huh. Still gotta walk through here, though. I have just a thing. The I'm walking here dragon. And he puts it on her in this, this weird little dragon tube thing with hands that keeps people away. And, okay, yep. And she keeps hitting people with it, including some bullies. And she bumps into some statues. So Shukumaru destroys them because, yeah. You know, that's his thing. He is dumb. And <clears throat> she tells him to buzz off. She says, at last, the interloper lo interlopes no longer. My true motive in choosing this plebeian public school is finding a plain old regular boyfriend. So, really great aspirations for our main female character here. Not that there's anything wrong with wanting, you know, some romance. But, like, I mean, after years of storytelling where that's all women want in stories, it's like, oh, that's, that's all I really need to become a true woman. It's like, yeah, uh, sure. No, whatever, man. Anyway, so, so her reasons are actually pretty nice for why she's here. Like, she's so used to... Um, the boys I meet at parties are all financial assets. This and prestigious bloodline that. Talk about Snoozeville. That's what all teenage girls say. And private schools are full of those trust fund babies. So I came here to nab me a down-to-earth fellow who's sweet, kind of cool, and most of all, normal. She's in class one, and there's this guy with weird hair who's also in class one. And he hits on her, you know, using Sinatra, because all of the high schoolers are talking about Sinatra. And before he can say his name, uh, he gets icicled because Shugamaru's there, because he's thinking, oh, it could be Skull, blah, blah, blah. Moving on. And uh, they're introducing themselves in class. Uh, Shukumaro 
uh, introduces himself, says, my relationship with Sanagi Ojo is a secret by her request. My lips are sealed. And everyone's thinking, well, that means uh, he's obviously your boyfriend. And he says, I should protect Sanagi, protect Sanagi to my dying breath. Yep, yep, her boyfriend for sure. Yeah, clearly. She says, no, you, you got me pegged all wrong. And they go to lunch later on in the day. It's nice going. The boys are never going to flirt with me now. All the better. You will be that much harder to assassinate. He says, wait, Skull may have poisoned your food. Allow me to test. Uh, oh, and he doesn't like celery, which, you know, that's an endearing part of you know, characterization. You don't like your vegetables. Well, I don't either, but, you know, I don't make a big deal about it. So more and more, he's causing people to get you know, electrocuted over and over again. Which causes her to get electrocuted, which sends her to the nurse's office. And there's this nice young man who could be nothing but a nice young man. And he's talking to her and says, oh, I'm your classmate, Ryoji Hattori. I discovered you convulsing at the foot of the drinking fountain, so I carried you here on the double. <clears throat> and she's asking, oh, where'd Shugamara go? Which says, oh, him? Uh, they dragged him to the staff room, the scolding him with all the energy of a raucous parliament thrashing. <clears throat> I'm just relieved that you're not badly hurt. Uh, um, never mind, it's nothing. I've peeled an apple for you, if you're hungry. He says, putting the moves on her. And right at that point, he says, you want to rest in peace as he brings a knife out to try and hit her. Why he didn't kill her on the way there when she was unconscious, I don't know. But that would make sense, and this manga doesn't require sense. He says, oh dear, I missed. Which, terrible assassin. There was literally no way for him to miss. Well, we wouldn't have the story if he didn't, Christian. Sure thing, Magika. Uh, just get an editor next time. She says, Satori, what's your deal? He says, there goes my nail to target in one attempt streak. You're kidding me. You're a skull? He says, enough talk. Bantering with soon-to-be corpses isn't my style. My style is taking your life. <laughs> so dumb. But then Chukamaru appears from nowhere, and he gets slashed. He says, ah, oh, the bodyguard makes his grand entrance. And she says, Shugamaru, you're bleeding buckets. He says, I have blood to spare for my training and all because I'm an anime character and I have gallons upon gallons of blood to lose. You know, well, it's not an anime because this isn't getting an anime because it's U19 calling it here again. And uh, the guy says, uh, seems to me you're on the verge of death. Are you sure you should be standing? And quite all right. Besides, you are already defeated. Uh, come again. Uh, did you not notice the deadly poison gas filling the room? You have but a few minutes to live. He playing gas there, but then uh, <clears throat> uh, she says, uh, so we're dead too, right? Uh, and he realizes, oh no, I've killed us both. But he has an antidote. And uh, they thank him, the, the other guy, the assassin guy, for being nice. And they attack each other again and again. They manage to get out. And we have a flashback where she like you know flowers and stuff, and there were dogs, and he protected her from them. And she says to him, "Next time we meet, you're gonna protect me, right?" Okay, I promise. When we meet again, I'll protect you to the very end. This couldn't have been that long ago because he's just about as short as then as he is now. But you know, whatever. I I'm clearly in love with this. You can tell. And he leaves the school, but oh no, assassin guy has. 
gotten random girl number 45, and he's going to kill her if they don't. But then they see the guy that he froze early in the chapter because, you know, that's a nice callback. And they throw him at him. Says so make, makes a pun that would make Mr. Freeze proud. Says, Have a nice day. But he misses. But oh no, because of water and stuff, lightning prefers lofty heights. So somehow this has caused it to uh, become a lightning rod. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. You need something to conduct it. And I'm, I don't know if ice conducts electricity. Uh, with my Pokemon knowledge, it's not super effective. So surely it's... <laughs> Actually, that's not how it works. That's how I know my science is from Pokemon. <laughs> which electrifies the whole school and her, which, oh no. He's more of a danger to her than the assassins are. Isn't that a funny joke? But they managed to capture him and all that. <clears throat> and the butler called says, Dreadful news, miss. We've just learned that, skull aside, the assassin known as Finnick is after your life. It's and the assassin says, curses. It is I, Finnick, who will never live this down. You go, wait, you're not Skull. What nonsense? I'm Finnick the Blade. Hear that? He's not even Skull. Well, we had it all wrong. Anyway, I took a real beating today. I breathed poison gas and got electrocuted twice. An actual assassination would have hurt less. Says, I apologize for that. As my own bodyguard, an even bigger threat to my life than any assassin. And uh, Finnick says, you ought to thank him. So many perfect chances to end your life. But every time, his flawless garden left me no avenue. And we see in these other panels here that his attempts to keep her safe the entire time were actually keeping Finnick away. And in those past panels, he is actually there in them. So I will credit the uh, manga on that. Uh, he does deserve some praise there. <clears throat> Uh, so we get back into flashback, and we see that she's holding up a windflower. And uh, it's one of her favorite things in the world. And he promises to protect that, just like he'll protect her. Uh, because he protected the flowers in the present. But she's not having it. She says, forget the flowers. Protect me. But I wanted to see you smile. No, I can't smile if I'm dead. I come first. Flowers second. That sap almost killed me. <clears throat> Uh, Skull's still after your life, surely. Anyone we could meet could be that vile assassin. But make no mistake, I shall protect you, Sanagi, if you don't get me killed first. What did I do wrong? And then random guy who was inside the ice says, oh, how'd I get here? And in the narration from her, we get my life is in constant danger with him around. So begins my high school life with my deadly new bodyguard. And, uh, wow. Uh, that was certainly a chapter. Yeah, I, I, I'm i glad it's over. I will give this a couple more chapters before I say, nope, I'm done. It's it's stupid. I hate it. But it's not a really good first impression. Uh, I'm fairly certain I'm not the only one. Most of the people I saw responding to this are like, wait, they let this in a jump? <laughs> so we shall see. I know with my luck, it'll be, you know, 1500 chapters and more than one piece ever did. <laughs> And the greatest manga in the world. And I'll just hate it. <laughs> just like I hate high school family so much. Uh, Alright, I think I'm done for the evening. Let's chill, chill out some stuff. Uh, join us at StarvingWritersGuild.com We are writers hoping to help other writers and get their books put out into the, into the world. We are MC Ashley, John Transylvania, and Barbara Page. 
Uh, like I said, you can see us on StarvingWritersGuild.com. That's where you'll find our works, as well as our stuff can be found on Amazon under those same very names. And <clears throat> uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well, the Starving Writers Guild Anime, Manga, and Comics Podcast uh, Twitter feed. I have sent out three tweets as of this moment because we've released three episodes <laughs> with more to come. I'm so good at the Twitters. And like, you know what? I'm Goofy and Luffy. It's time for bed. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Until next time, see ya.